Chapter 6 Positive Parenting A Day in a Child's Life Civilization has cast parents in the role of naysayers who must say no to many of the small child's greatest pleasures no sucking of the thumb no touching of the penis no picking of the nose no playing in dirt and no making of noise to infants civilization is cold and cruel instead of a soft breast it offers a hard cup instead of instant relief and warm diapers it offers a cold pot and the demand for self restraint some restrictions are inevitable if the child is to become a social being however parents should not overplay their role of police for civilization lest they invite avoidable resentment resistance and hostility getting off to a good start parents should not be the ones to wake up their school age children every morning children resent parents who disturb their sleep and disrupt their dreams they dread parents coming into their rooms pulling off their blankets and cheerfully singing rise and shine it is better for all concerned if children are awakened by an alarm clock rather than by what must look to them like an alarm mother or alarm father Emily age 8 had difficulty getting out of bed in the morning. Every day she tried to stay in bed for a few endless minutes more. Her mother was sometimes sweet and sometimes sour, but Emily was always persistent, slow to rise, unpleasant at breakfast and late to school. The daily arguments left her mother tired and resentful. The situation improved dramatically when the mother gave her daughter an unexpected gift, an alarm clock. In the gift box Emily found a note to Emily who does not like other people to wake her too early in the morning now you can be your own boss love mother Emily was surprised and delighted she said how did you know that i don't like anyone to wake me up her mother smiled and said i figured it out when the alarm clock rang the next morning she said to Emily it's so early honey why don't you sleep another few minutes Emily jumped out of bed saying, "No, I'll be late for school." A child who cannot wake up easily should not be called lazy, and the child who does not rise and shine instantly should not be labeled grumpy. Children who find it hard to be alert and zestful in the morning do not need ridicule. Rather than engage them in a battle, it is best to let them enjoy another 10 golden minutes of sleep. or daydreams this can be accomplished by setting the alarm clock to ring earlier our statements should convey empathy and understanding it is hard to get up this morning it is such a pleasure to lie in bed and dream take another 5 minutes such statements make the morning bright they create a climate of warmth and intimacy in contrast the following statements of anger or scorn invite cold and stormy weather get up you lazy thing you get out of that bed this minute my god you are another rip van winkle or concern over their health why are you still in bed are you sick does anything hurt do you have a tummy ache a headache let me see your tongue all this suggests to the child that the way to receive tender care is to be sick Children may also think that parents will be disappointed if they deny having any of the maladies that were so graciously listed. 
children may feel obliged to pretend that they feel sick. The tyranny of timetables, the rush hour. When children are hurried, they take their time. Most often, they resist adults' hurry up by engaging in a slowdown. What appears as inefficiency is in reality children's very efficient weapon against the tyranny of timetables that are not theirs. Rarely should children be told to rush. Instead, they should be given realistic time limits and left with the challenge to be ready on time. The school bus will be here in 10 minutes. The movie start at 1 o'clock. It is 12.30 now. Dinner will be served at 7 o'clock. It is 6.30 now. Your friend will be here in 15 minutes. The intent of our brief statement is to convey to the children that we expect and take it for granted that they will be on time. Sometimes positive prospects can help. We might offer, for example, as soon as you're ready for school, you may watch cartoons until we leave for school. Breakfast Meals Without Morals Breakfast is not a good time for teaching children universal philosophies, moral principles or polite manners. It is an appropriate time for parents to prepare nourishing meals while helping them get out on time for school. In general, breakfast is a difficult part of the day. Often the parents or the children are sleepy and grouchy and arguments may easily degenerate into recriminations and accusations as this example illustrates. Debbie, rummaging through the refrigerator, discarding one item after another. What's for breakfast? There's never anything to eat in this house. You never buy me anything I like. Mother, upset and defensive. What do you mean I never buy anything you like? I buy you everything you like. It's you who can't decide what to eat. Now I want you to sit down and eat what's in front of you and then you can go to school. Debbie's behavior made her mother angry. She then reciprocated by making her daughter even angrier and everyone left for work and school in a bad mood. It's important not to let a child decide the parent's response or mood. Instead of counter-attacking, Debbie's mother could have acknowledged her complaint and thus preserved a pleasant morning. Mother, you don't seem to find anything you like this morning. Debbie, no, there's nothing I like. I'm really not very hungry. I'll just have a banana. Another mother related. In the past, small incidents became traumatic events for me and my children. The proverbial molehill became a mountain several times each day. But now I have learned to understand my children's messages and respond to them sympathetically. As I did a few days ago at the breakfast table, when my five-year-old daughter Ramona refused to eat breakfast and complained. Ramona, my teeth are tired. They feel very sleepy on the bottom. Instead of ridiculing her, her mother acknowledged her complaint. Mother, oh, your lower teeth are not yet awake? Ramona, no, and this one tooth is having a bad dream. Mother, let me see. Oh, honey, it's loose. Ramona, will it fall into my cereal? When her mother reassured that it was not that loose yet, Ramona's spirits lifted and she picked up her spoon and started to eat her cereal. Stan's father shared the following. 
my first reaction to any mishap is an overreaction that sets the mood for further conflict. Then I try to put out the fire I myself started, like a clever man who knows how to get out of a hole that a wise man would never have gotten it into in the first place. Recently, I have decided to behave like a wise man rather than a clever one. Instead of blaming when my children get into trouble, I offer help as I did recently. My son Paul, age 10, likes to prepare his own breakfast. One morning, I heard him whimpering in the kitchen. He was poaching two eggs and one of them splattered on the floor. Instead of screaming, look what you've done, what a mess, why can't you be more careful, I said. You got up quietly, you made such beautiful eggs for yourself and one fell down just like that. Paul, meekly, yes, father, and you're hungry. Paul, looking brighter, but there's one egg left on the plate. Father, while you're eating one egg, I'll put you another one. Complaints, dealing with disappointment. Parents are continually confronted with children's complaints which usually make them angry. In order not to escalate the anger and get into an argument by counter-complaining or being defensive, they need to learn to respond to complaints by acknowledging the child's complaint. For example, Selma, you never buy me anything. Mother, there's something you'd like me to buy you. Not. How can you say that after all the beautiful clothes I bought you only last week? You never appreciate anything I do for you. That's your trouble. Julian, you never take me anywhere. Father, where would you like to go? Not. How can I when you always end up making such a scene? Zachary, you're always late. Mother, you didn't like waiting for me. Not? And you're never late? You don't want to remember every time I waited for you? Jessica, you don't care what happens to me. Father, you wish I had been there when you fell, when you needed me. Not? How can you say that after all I have sacrificed to make you happy? Never and always are favorite words of children. They live in a world of extremes, but parents who have learned that gray is more common than black and white can teach their children by restraining themselves from using those expressions. Getting dressed, the battle of the shoestring. In some homes, parents and children are entangled in a daily battle of the shoestring says one father. When I see my son with shoes unlaced, I am fit to be tired, tied. I want to know if we should force him to tie the laces or just let him walk around sloppy. Happy as he may be, shouldn't we teach him responsibility? It is best not to tie up the teaching of responsibility with the tying of shoes. It is better to avoid arguments by buying the child a pair of slip-on sneakers or by tying a small child's laces without comment. One can rest assured that sooner or later, the child will learn to keep his shoes tied unless his peers do otherwise. Children should not go to school dressed in their most expensive clothes. 
they should not have to worry about keeping clothes clean. The child's freedom to run, jump or play ball should take precedence over neatness of appearance. When the child returns from school with a dirty shirt, a parent might say, you look like you had a busy day. If you want to change, there is another shirt in the closet. It's not helpful to tell the child how sloppy she is, how dirty she looks and how sick and tired we are of washing and ironing her shirts. A realistic approach does not rely on a child's capacity to put cleanliness ahead of playfulness. Instead, it accepts that children's clothes will not stay clean for long. A dozen inexpensive wash and wear shirts contribute more to mental health than do 12 sermons on cleanliness. Going to school. Helping is better than haranguing. It can be expected that in the morning rush, a child may forget to pick up books, glasses, lunchbox or lunch money. It is best to hand the child the missing item without adding any sermons about forgetfulness and irresponsibility. Here are your glasses is more helpful to the child than I want to live to see the day when you remember to wear your glasses. Here is your lunch money is more appreciated by the child than the sarcastic question and what will you buy your lunch with? The child should not be given a list of admonitions and warnings before leaving for school. Have a pleasant day is a better parting phrase than the general warning. Don't get into trouble. I'll see you at 2 o'clock is more instructive to the child than don't go wandering off in the streets after school. The return from school, providing a warm welcome. It's desirable that a parent or other caring adult be home to greet children upon their return from school, rather than asking questions that bring worn out answers. How was school? And okay? Or what did you do today? And nothing. A parent can make statements that convey an understanding of the trials and tribulations at school. You look as though you had a hard day. I bet you could not wait for school to end. You seem glad to be home. In most situations, making statements is preferable to asking questions. With a large number of single parent families and mothers who work, many children no longer find a parent at home to personally greet them. But leaving a written or emailed message of affection can mitigate the parent's absence. Some parents of school-age children use letters and notes to deepen the relationship with their children. It is easier for them to express appreciation and love in writing. Some parents leave messages on a tape recorder or on videotape. The child can listen to parents' words over and over again. Such messages encourage meaningful communication between parent and child and lessen the loneliness that children feel when coming from school to enter an empty home. Homecoming Reconnecting at the end of the day When working parents return home in the evening, they need a quiet transition period between the demands of the world and the demands of the family. Neither the mother nor father should be met at the door with a bombardment of complaints and requests or with a flood of requisitions and recriminations. A no questions period helps create an oasis of tranquility 
that adds greatly to the quality of family life. From early childhood, children need to learn that when her harried parents come home from work, they need a short period of calm and comfort. Dinner, on the other hand, should be conversation time. The stress should be less on food and more on food for thought. There should be few remarks on how and what the child eats, few disciplinary actions, and many examples of the old-fashioned art of conversation. Some parents take turns taking one of the children to a restaurant of his or her choice to have some private one-on-one time. While eating a hamburger or pizza, the child having the mother's or father's full attention can share concerns with the parent. Bedtime, War or Peace In many homes, bedtime is bedlam time, with the children and parents forming a mutual frustration society. Children try to stay up as late as possible, while the mother and father want them asleep as soon as possible. The evenings become prime nagging time for parents and tactical evasion time for children. Preschool children need the mother or father to tuck them in. Bedtime can be utilized for intimate conversation with each child. Children then begin to look forward to bedtime. They like having time alone together with their mother or father. If the parent takes pains to listen, the child will learn to share his fears, hopes and wishes. These intimate contacts relieve children of anxiety and lull them into pleasant sleep. Some older children also like to be tucked in. Their wish should be respected and fulfilled. They should not be ridiculed or criticized for wanting what looks to parents like baby stuff. Bedtime for older children should be flexible. Bedtime is between 8 and 9 or 9 and 10. You decide when you want to go to bed. The range of times is determined by parents. The specific time within that range is determined by the child. It's best not to get involved in a fight when a child claims that he forgot to go to the bathroom or that she wants a glass of water. However, a child who keeps calling parents back to the room should be told, I know you wish I could be with you longer, but now is mom and dad's time to be together. Or, it would be nice if I could visit with you longer, but now is my time to get ready for bed. Parental Prerogative No entertainment license required. In some homes, children have the power of veto over their parents' comings and goings. Parents have to get permission from several children for an evening away from home. Some parents shun going to the movies or to the theatre because of the expected battle at home. Parents do not need permission or agreement from children on how to live their lives. If a child cries because his mother and father are going out in the evening, the fears need not be condemned, but such wishes need not be complied with. We can understand and sympathize with the desire not to be left with a babysitter, but it is not necessary to buy an entertainment license from the child. To the VP child we say with empathy, I know you wish we were not going out tonight. Sometimes when we are not here you get scared. You wish we would stay with you. But your mother and I are going to enjoy a movie, or friends, or dinner, or a dance, tonight. The content of the child's objections, pleadings, or threats can be ignored. Our our reply should be firm and friendly. 
you wish i could stay with you but this is my time to go out television the naked and the dead no discussion of a child's day would be complete without estimating the influence of television on values and conduct children like to watch tv and play games on their computers many prefer these activities to reading books listening to music or engaging in conversation for advertisers children are a perfect audience they are suggestible and believe the commercials they learn idiotic jingles with amazing facility and are only too happy to pester their parents with silly slogans and they ask so little of the programs no originality is required and no art is necessary furry or plastic heroes hold their interest so for hours on the end day after day children are confronted with violence and murdered murder intermingled with jingles and advertisements parents feel two ways about television they like the fact that it keeps the children occupied and out of trouble but they are concerned about possible harm to the children television can encourage violence trivialize relationships support support stereotypes and undermine pro social behavior further television consumes a significant part of a child's day more of the child's time is spent with the tv set than with either their father or mother even if spectacles of sex and brutality were nothing more than innocent fun they do keep children from more constructive activities as one prominent psychologist has observed people simply do not have those optimal experiences called flow while watching television the best condition for growth is when a person's skills are fully involved in overcoming a challenge that is just about manageable for children that might mean writing poems or short stories making a sculpture from clay or building a castle with blocks it might entail enacting dramas with siblings or adventures with a friend growth and satisfaction are more likely to come from focused effort than from witless watching in some homes children are allowed to view tv only 1 hour a day in other homes they are allowed certain times and programs selected with the parents approval these parents believe that television like medication must be taken at prescribed times and in the right doses two distinguished pediatricians have made a specific recommendation in the first 3 years no more than 1 half hour per day should be spent watching tv after age 3 an additional half hour of tv or computer time could be shared with a parent An increasing number of parents feel that the choice of programs cannot be left entirely to children. They are not willing to let questionable characters influence their children in their own home. Parents who want to protect their children from exposure to daily doses of sordid sex and vivid violence can now install a parental monitoring system on their TV and computer. While children need not be sheltered from all tragedy, they should be protected from entertainment in which human brutality is not a tragedy but a formula it is not enough for parents to oversee the quantity and nature of children's media consumption parents can open the doors for children to learn connect and contribute through healthy relationships happy play and satisfying hobbies